you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. NFL podcast has <laughs> a bone to pick with Kathy F. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? Hey, 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 hey! Nice. That, that time, money nailed it. Kathy F. is high on our S list, and Mm -hmm. this is some judge with a ton of money, cash falling out of her pocket, thinks she can go take a vacation in the middle of the NFL season with with work to do, with decisions coming down. Kathy F. up in the Poconos having her own time. Put it this way, during the Zeke Elliott appeal process, as the lawyers are going back and forth there, she's got like the thousand-yard stare, and then you like cut into her inner monologue, and it's just like... All you have to bring is your love for everything. <laughs> Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Must be nice being wow. at the Mount Airy Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> the Poconos. I went yeah. there several times. Elk I am. You are the only person I know that went, and I, it mesmerizes I've me. I've been because there. You, all right. Two people on this show have been. I spent my whole childhood watching those ads, wondering what it was. Half you know my that family is, lived there. Yeah. Oh, look at Greg. Greg grew up on the East Coast. He doesn't even know the commercial. Uh, really? You might be a little. You might be a little young for it because I'm surprised the way that you know. They, have, they would have different. I lived in Western Massachusetts. It's I guess far they enough away. Oh, you know what? They probably didn't do that. Yeah, you aren't. Right. Par- you aren't parking those territory. Makes sense. My family grew up right at the Pocono Raceway. I was uh, the wolf, the wolf side of the family. That's goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, being that close to the hollowed grounds of the Poconos race. <laughs> That's right. Um, the Around the NFL podcast. It's our Tuesday show as we start uh, looking forward to Week 14. But so much to get to. It's a busy show coming up today. A Monday night football review. A memorable. <clears throat> Maybe not for the right reasons, but a memorable Monday night matchup between the Steelers and the Bengals, um, a comeback for Pittsburgh and a terrible injury for Ryan Shazier. We're going to get into all that. Uh, We will. We talked about this um, back in, I think, July or August, and now we're going to resurface it. What coaches, and Greg, I know this is a tough situation for you when we talk about this, hot butts, a little hot butt talk. I just don't like the term hot butt and the sound of that's happening. Yeah, but what's it, what's the difference between hot seat and everybody loves saying hot seat and we say hot oh, butt? Because it sounds like we're torturing someone. Well, now you're there referring is to that. the drop itself. Yeah. The drop se- makes me feel uncomfortable. Hot seat suggests that your butt is touching the hotness of the seat. So I think Dan has just gotten he sort of cut to the chase with hot butts. And we're also going to do a Thursday night football preview. Big game. Big NFC South showdown. Between the Saints and the Falcons, so that's a big one. So, so much to get to today. Let's not um, dilly-dally. No more Mount Airy Lodge talk. No, enough of that. Let's start with a little Monday Night Football. Boswell is ready. The snap, the ball, put down. The kick is up, arching through, and good! The Steelers have won it on a 38-yard game-winning field goal. 
by Chris Boswell. That's Kevin Harlan, of course, of Westwood One. Uh, Chris Boswell kicked that field goal on the final play of regulation after Antonio Brown um, caught a six-yard touchdown pass to tie the game in the fourth quarter. The Pittsburgh Steelers come all the way back uh, facing a uh, 17-point deficit in the first half, a 23-20 win over uh, the rival Bengals. And if Wes was here, and we wish he was, he would laugh at the term rival because, once again, this is the most one-sided rivalry in the NFL. And Pittsburgh did it to Cincy again, ending all but ending their playoff hopes. Not totally out of it in the AFC, but five and seven now. They're out of it. They are in a tough spot. And and beyond that, um, they just they didn't show any heart closing out that game they needed. Now, uh, before we get to the specifics of what was a very violent physical game, let's talk about the Ryan Shazier injury. Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Early in the fourth, in the first quarter, this was in the first five minutes of the game. Uh, Shazier sh- suffered a back injury. Didn't have any feeling uh, below the waist. A truly scary moment that cast a pall over the entire game. Uh, What is the update we have, first of all, Greg? Well, Mike Tomlin spoke Tuesday morning, didn't have a huge update. Basically, last night the Steelers said the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be important in terms of him getting some feeling in his lower extremities. Our our reporters, rather, Aditi Kinkawala and Ian Rappaport, reported that he did was having some feeling in it. But you listen to Mike Tomlin speak about it on Tuesday, and you know he he spoke about how difficult it was to leave Shazier there at the hospital. Shazier's parents uh, are now in Cincinnati with him at the hospital, and it it I kind of saw during this game it was almost like the Shazier injury and everything else that happened got conflated, and they were two totally different things. This was just an unfortunate uh, accident that you said it well, Dan. Kind of cast a pall over the game. It was kind of like. I don't know. I immediately thought back to Kevin Everett, which was 10 years ago, which was the last circumstance that felt like this. And as we speak now, we don't really know what the, what the prognosis is going to be for Shazir. We're just hoping that, that he's okay. They, they also need swelling to go down, but it sounds like from where we were last night, that there is, there's hope. There is some positive reports are right. Exactly. There is movement in his, in his lower extremities. So that, that's the first concern. But, Greg, I couldn't agree more with the way that you put it. I think it had genuinely affected both teams. And it absolutely – I mean, you forget, this is like someone that these guys spend all day with, all season with. They're, it's the brother. I mean, they love this guy. And he is a genuine – he is one of their team leaders. And one of the guys in the NFL is truly a, a wonderful person. And you saw reporters responding the same way because of what they know about Shazier. And so I – it 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 was the game came so secondary to it, and Pittsburgh's comeback I think was quite impressive because of what they were dealing with internally the entire time. It made me feel so sick watching it, and then I think just to see like the reactions, Vince Williams just crying on the sideline, and then guys going up to him and sort of comforting him, and you saw how serious it was, and it just kind of gave me like I felt sick after watching it a little bit. It's one of the brutal things of football that. You know, injuries like this happen, and this was an extreme case of that. And then they just start, and that wasn't the only they just start, one. They just the start game. playing though. Thirty seconds later, they don't call the game. You have to, right? It's just you have to on. move on, and and it's a unique circumstance. And and like moments like that, however, this all results like that's a moment that's it's gonna be something that Shazier and the people around him they remember for the rest of their their lives, and something that stays in their mind. And you know, Joe Mixon got knocked out in this game. Uh, I believe there was another concussion involved. You had. Uh, Antonio Brown, clearly a head-hunting in- incident uh, on his touchdown pass that tied the game. Um, and Perfect went out. Perfect went out Adam Jones with a Juju Schuster yeah. hit, which was um, really blatant by Sh- uh, Smith-Schuster. And where you know there are some reports out there now from Mike Garofolo that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster will be suspended for his uh, peel-off block on uh, perfect and then standing over him. And, you know, one other point about all the injuries and the violence and the physical nature of this game is, like, there is a, a very vocal segment of football fans that get angry uh, when teams are chummy and they're palling it up. And it's like, it's not like the way it used to be. Well, this is what it's like when teams genuinely dislike each other and they want, they're out for blood, and they're coming after each other to, to knock each other out of the game. And I don't think it was necessarily a fun watch. It was kind of 
I, I kind of found myself cringing, uh, especially by the time he got to the game and they, they and Ioka tried to take uh, Antonio Brown out of the right. game. It's just like, this isn't even fun to watch. Where are the coaches? Yeah, where are the coaches in this? Because, you know, it, it, you knew going in, the roadmap for Steelers-Bengals has been well laid out. We know what these teams think of each other. And the, what happened last night, I mean, it all it supersedes that playoff game from a couple seasons ago in terms of the incidents alone. You didn't have Mike Munchak throwing people around this time, but come on. I mean, you got to settle these teams down. But also, the players in. have to be accountable. I, as I well. agree, they, but it's they straight. talk about we, all the all the issues with CT and the players. You know, the lawsuits and you know we're, we're not protected. It's like you guys got to look out for each other too, and you can't turn it into like a revenge game back and yeah, forth. Right, and and it's really we're just talking about two hits, and that's the thing. It felt. It felt like a lot of different things were going on. Mixon happened on a running play. It was a very phys- that's what we saw, by the way. Right. It, was, it doesn't mean it, there wasn't more stuff going on on the field as well. It, it was a very physical game. It was Schuster's hit that started it, and then it was Aloka right after that. Those were the the two moments. I mean, Schuster's hit immediately reminded me of Heinz Ward's peel-off block against Keith Rivers, against the Bengals, which changed an NFL rule. It it was almost identical to it, except Ward broke Rivers' jaw. And at the time, people celebrated that Heinz Ward hit. And Schuster, it's it's really interesting because everyone says they were – Schuster reminds uh, Ward of him. And, And it happened, and if it had been six inches lower, I don't think people would have really had a problem with it. He was standing over him, and then Aloka responded. It was those two hits. Other than that, it was just a physical game, but they were about as dirty as it gets. And a little breaking news here. As we're talking about this, Whoa. I see this from Andrew Siciliano's feed. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and George Ioko both suspended one game. So there you go. It's the league now trying to clean up what was a mess in the game. And now in terms of the game, let's just <clears throat> hit on this before because we got a lot to get to get to today. Um, really, <clears throat> a I thought an impressive Pittsburgh comeback uh, to be down 17-0 on the road on, on in prime time and to lose beyond Chazier how scary the injury is and how that kind of took everybody out of the game, it seemed. Uh, he's also their most important defensive player. So to, to put it all together and come back, that's impressive. And then on Cincinnati side, it's like people say, oh, you can't like say one team is it's oh same old Bengals the last 30 years. Same thing with the Chargers. I was bringing up Sunday. It was like, oh, no, this is a different Chargers team. Some teams like they just have it in their DNA uh, to, to blow games and blow seasons. And Cincinnati did it again last night. They played the best half of football they have all season in that first half. Now, a lot of that, I think, had to do with what the Steelers were dealing with emotionally and just simply having lost Shazier on the field. That had a major impact on, on Cincinnati's offense. The Bengals crumbling the way they did, to me, the, the DNA here is this unchanging combination of Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton. It's the same story year after year. You don't have enough to get out of the AFC North outside of that 2015 season, which was spectacular until Dalton got hurt. That is one year. This is the same Bengals team season after season. And I wonder, you know, their fans were annoyed last night because I tweeted in like the first quarter, we know how this thing's going to end. The Steelers will win this game. I just have enough faith in Pittsburgh to do that. But it has to do much more with the Bengals. They cannot finish their own business. How are they to be taken seriously? Well, that A.J. Green touchdown that was called back. That hurt him. Right. I mean, that was bad luck. They win the game, and that was a terrible call. That was an awful call. That should have been a touchdown. And that's part of the Bengals thing, too. There were some questionable calls. There was a pass interference call that went against in the A.J. Green. That took seven points off the board. Uh, And certain franchise just seems like things don't go their way in crucial junctures of a season. As Wes pointed out last night, the, the, the Dalton and Lewis connection are 3-12 and 12 against the Steelers. You can talk about the touchdown that got called back last night, but they find a way to do this, if not two times right. a season, two times plus the playoffs. And then just one more thing. the uh, Le'Veon Bell, he's so good. He was so good in this game, but Maybe they need to just like pump the brakes a little bit on Lev and save him a little bit. The yeah. amount of touches. I don't think it's going to oh, happen. If it hasn't happened not, yet. They're not going. I know. Yeah. Hey, week 14. Yeah. Maybe well, you they, should do this. But still. They have to play the Ravens next week. Right. And then they have to play the Patriots after that. And you're right. I mean, they, they were banged up. This was. You mentioned some franchises are just. Snake bit. It seems. Like that. Well, this. Yeah. Bengals franchise has as much continuity in terms of their personnel and their coach 
as as any. And so what's going on since 2015, you mentioned that season that was different. Think about when it changed. When Andy Dalton got hurt, they got I believe they got blown out by the Steelers late that season. Then they have the the playoff game uh, where they where they lose at the end. That's the most famous Steelers-Bengals game. Last year, people don't remember this game because the Bengals are pretty much out of it. They were up 20 to 6 in December and blew a home game. This time, it's 17 to nothing. And they lose Adam Jones in the first half. They lose Joe Mixon. So there was some bad luck there. But in the end, they got the ball three times at the end of the game, and they only got one first down. Andy Dalton was un- incredible how well he played for most of this game. But when push came to shove at the end, it was the Steelers that make the play. And Antonio Brown deserves a lot of credit playing through an injury. What a performance from the yeah. first minute on and then to cap it with a touchdown catch like that. That is the type of stuff that MVP seasons are made of. It's almost impossible for a, a wide receiver to win an MVP award at this point. And I, I don't know if I if I would ever vote for him either, but he has done everything and he always does it at the very end of the game. And and if it wasn't for him, they I know you're kind of sick of them barely winning these games. I'm not Mark, sick of them. I just well, just, just that no, they like yes, kind of it's during games. It's, it's predictable. Uh, My point is Mark's Twitter feed. If they if, if you, you want to talk it's highly predictable. If you want to take away like Talk about, like, if you take away Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, what happens, which is totally fair, and with, you'd say that with any quarterback. Take away Antonio Brown from the Steelers, and they lose all these close games. His performance right. in this game and Roethlisberger's at the end was really Bengals, incredible. 13 yards in the fourth quarter. I have, take care oh of business. God. I have no idea how Antonio Brown held on to that touch right. at the end. He's just, I mean, he's he's made of. That was amazing. He's made different. He is an MVP, but we only vote for and, quarterbacks. And some of it, the last thing is self-inflicted. Marvin, when you that famous drop you have about Marvin Lewis, sometimes who's you, Mark Sessler? Oh, you know what drop oh, I'm no. talking oh, about? You know what talk I'm. T- that one? Yes. When Geno Atkins, your best player, gets a late hit on a drive late in the game, which definitely hurt them. They were probably going to get the Steelers off the field at the point. You don't bench Geno Atkins for the rest of that drive. I think that kind of slipped under the radar. John Gruden didn't really say anything about it. Atkins didn't go on the field, I don't believe, for the rest of that drive, and the Steelers go down and score a touchdown. It's I don't, like, oh, my I God. I don't know what was going on with John Gruden in this game either. I'm going to save it for the John Gruden in decline podcast, but I don't know <laughs> if he's got one foot out the door or what, but that was a strange game. It's been mentioned on like four straight Tuesday podcasts, yeah, with, various right. things. <laughs> with the with the way he's talking about perfect and all that, we got it, we got to move on, I, it, Greg. It, we got to move. I, I know, Greg. I know, save, I know. It, save it for the Greg alone. Podcast, <laughs> I feel like we could have done a whole, for an hour. We could have done, on, done a podcast just on this game. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But we have so much more to get to, including, oh my goodness, a big coaching change. Let is let us now move on to news. All right. Yes, it's true. The New York Giants made a move. In fact, two moves, uh, huge moves for the franchise, firing head coach Ben McAdoo and general manager Jerry Reese. Uh, this in the throes of a miserable 2-10 season. Uh, McAdoo was let go, uh, I guess, a week. It was a week to the day after the decision to bench Geno Smith, uh, which... Uh, <laughs> Bench Eli Manning. I can't. I keep on mixing up my like all-time New York Giants quarterbacks. <laughs> I Apologies. feel you. Apologies, everybody. Uh, New York area quarterbacks. I really feel like Gino got to that level with the Jets. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of like one of those legends of the New York sports scene. Totally. Um, anyway, so the the decision was made to get rid of McAdoo now and get rid of uh, Jerry Reese, the general manager now. And that goes against the press release the Giants put out last month saying that they were going to hold, hold Pat for the rest of this doomed Lots season. changed since then. John Mara spoke to the media after these two huge moves uh, and was asked, what, why, why did things change? I changed my mind. We changed our minds. I mean, given that uh, all of the events that have occurred, where we are as a franchise right now. And I just, to be honest with you, it became more and more apparent that we were going to have to do something at the end of the season. So we talked... Uh, after the game and again this morning about why prolong it uh, any longer? Why, why not just get it done now? Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that three of our last four games are at home. I was conscious of the having lived through it before of what the reaction was going to be. Um, it also gives us somewhat of a tactical advantage in allowing us to start looking at general managers right now rather than waiting uh, until the end of the season. It feels like the Giants with John Marin, this is again a great, uh, organization that typically does things right. They're, they're starting to put things back together and make some right moves, but the damage is done. And by the way, Eli Manning getting benched, you know, there have been a lot of fingers pointing. 
John Mara did take some accountability on that front as well. You know, it is it, where it is, and you ought to stop uh, blaming Ben and Jerry on that. If you want to blame anybody for that, blame me, because I, I certainly had the power to overrule it if I wanted to. I chose not to do it. So there you go, Mark. The Giants, uh, Steve Spagnola is the interim coach. Uh, Ernie Accorsi, who's who's been involved with the Giants for decades and is a, a really respected guy behind the scenes, he will be leading the GM search. <coughs> search. The Giants are starting over. Yeah, and why make the move now? Well, you have three of your final four games at home, and you have a chance to, you know, the, as you said, the damage is done. You can't undo the bee's nest this organization uh, ran into in the last couple weeks here, but you can maybe find a way to, A, get a jump on a coaching search, a jump on a GM search. You know, Reese has been there since 2007, has two Super Bowl titles, has been building that team for a long, long time. Absolutely. I mean, Mara made the point. I think with McAdoo, you know, you fire a coach after two years, there's not a lot of relationship to look back on, especially this season. Reese and Mara were tied at the hip for a long, long time, and I think that was a very tough dismissal for him. But watching Mara, I think he's one of the best owners, and the Giants are going to be okay, in my opinion, because, A, anyone would want to coach for this team because ownership is patient. It's not one of these franchises that reboot every two seasons, every 700 days. you got a top three draft pick coming your way. You can choose to start over at cornerback. There's a lot to like here. There's a lot of stuff to like in the roster. I mean... The ownership totally botched this situation, and it was good to hear John Mara you know, he take, owned it. Take, some, take some accountability. But ultimately, he got Ben McAdoo fired, too. Like, if, if, he, hadn't allowed, if he had truly made a difference and stepped in the way, and who knows how that, that all worked, it sounded like the initial suggestion was from Mara to start playing some of these younger guys. He basically got Mara and Reese fired earlier. And that, that's fine. It's all timing. But he has absolutely botched this entire scenario. They chose McAdoo, who was in the building for two years. They made him the head coach. And the reports from Aditi Kinkawala was that Jerry Reese didn't want McAdoo as the head coach. So if the Browns did something like that, where ownership went against the GM that's been there and won two Super Bowls and made his own choice to keep a coach who was in the building, who was the offensive coordinator, and it all blew up in their face and both guys get wound up, we'd blame the ownership. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely bought it. should. And he deserves blame, Mara, for this. And now, if you take a couple steps back and take kind of a macro viewpoint of it, of how horrendously they botched this. Eli Manning now, it looks like he's going to start. That's awful. Again, <laughs> uh, he's going to go back into the starting lineup. So basically... So the last memory of Gino will be some pretty nice passes in the fourth quarter. I'm, he made some gems. I mean, I'm just going to you got to give me a break on that. I will remember him calling Rex Ryan a coward in the post. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. that, that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's not how you represent the Giants. Uh, I'm joking, I'm joking. Let me, let me, just, let me okay. just say, so Eli is... Going to probably go back into the lineup rap sheet saying it's pointing that way. We're hearing that all over the place. And so at the end of the day, you want to talk about self-inflicted wounds uh, by an organization. You could not have handled this worse because you you blow Eli's 210 uh, consecutive start streak. Now you make a a titanic apology gesture to your quarterback uh, by getting rid of the coach and the GM. And I'm sure there was some sit-downs between ownership and Eli apologizing. But it's like I wrote about this yesterday. It's kind of like... Uh, your buddy who cheats on his girlfriend gets caught and then try to try to make up to, for it. He like proposes to her and it's like, okay, maybe that works, but there's some scars that are going to be left behind and it's not that easy. You can't just clean this up and put a bandaid. On. Right. And my one thing I was not giving Mara a free pass for this episode, but I think that the giants ownership in general has to be viewed as top five in the NFL over the course of the last three decades. They are steady organization. It's an attractive landing spot. That's all I'm saying. I think they had to do it at this point though, because obviously this is an organization that doesn't fire coaches mid season and they had no choice because of everything that was going on. And even Mara said it, he's like, I know our fans are suffering, but I'm suffering more right now. And I thought that that was an interesting moment because you don't hear a lot of owners come out and straight say that you can see on his face, how passionate he is about the team and how awful, this whole scenario has spiraled out of control so quickly this entire week. They it, just had to do it. It's a nice roster, and uh, Jerry Reese is the surprise part of it because I know they've only made the playoffs once in the last six years. He has a complicated legacy, but his draft class won them a Super Bowl in 2007, and he really built up that 2011 team. So he's an all-time 
giant for for what he did, and they kept him around for a long time. I'm sure that high that firing was a lot tougher for yeah, Barr and for it, it to happen in season. It, it I mean, just shockwaves through that organization. Um, all right, so that's what's going on with the Giants, and let's move on. So yes, yeah, suspensions for Juju Smith Schuster, and oh by the way, we're going to talk. You know, Ben McAdoo no longer. No hot butt. It's just his butt's on the street. That's the way this this game works. Cold butt. We're going to get into some more hot butt talk a little bit later in a few minutes. But now some more suspension talk. Rob Gronkowski has has been suspended one game for his cheap shot uh, in Sunday's game. And uh, he was frustrated that Bill's cornerback, Tredavious White, was being over physical, over, overly physical with him uh, on an interception, and he he threw his like forearm into the back of Tre'Davious White's head. White suffered a concussion, and there was immediate speculation that Gronk could be banned for a game, Colleen, and that's exactly what the NFL did. He suspended one game, um, which I'm sure they will survive against the Dolphins, and he'll be back in the lineup against the Steelers. If you really wanted to send a message, by the way, you would have suspended him two games and taken him out of that. That is the, that's the big point there. there. Yeah. But, yeah. But instead they went with one game and your thoughts. Well, you think it was too light? Well, no, I mean, I was looking at the schedule and I was thinking if, if the schedule, if this happened at a certain time and he was out for the game against the Steelers, that would have been cat, maybe catastrophic for the Patriots just because of the ripple effect there because the Patriots really need to win that game. They need Gronk there. I mean, one game, he should get one game at the very least for that. It was like a total cheap shot, and he waited, and he thought about it, and then he did it. To his credit, and we'll listen to it right now, here's Gronk. Uh, he did own up for it immediately after. Let's hear what Gronk had to say. I definitely want to apologize to number 27. I mean, I'm not in the business of that. I mean, it was a lot of frustration, and uh, – I was just really frustrated at, at that moment. It just just happened uh, naturally through emotions and frustration, and uh, just want to uh, apologize to Jadavius White. Um, I know don't 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 really uh, believe in type of shots like that, but just through the frustration process, uh, game of football emotions. Uh, and I don't know if you guys caught caught it. A local affiliate covering that Bills Pats game got Sean McDermott and Belichick at midfield. After the game, McDermott made a point to bring up that uh, Gronkowski was out of line, and Greg uh, uh, Belichick said, that's bull blank. Yeah. Uh, And he apologized. And that makes sense because there was no arguing around this. I'm a little surprised I shouldn't be that Gronk is appealing it or his agents uh, appealing the suspension. So that does bring a question into when he will serve it. It also could... Um, you know, it's going to be a very costly one. Not only does he miss the game, but he he could end up losing a couple million dollars in incentives that he has through an action of his own, right? Related to playing time, so he he's going to pay for it. And it's good that the NFL is acting quicker on these things. Usually, like, like it's nothing would time. happen, or his fines, or like we find out in two or three weeks. Like yeah. this Bengal Steeler stuff, it's buttoned up here the next morning. I think that's that's exactly right with the NFL acting quickly. I, I people killing Gronk for appealing it. Um, I don't think he should. But you think that the 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 Patriots want him to appeal it? I think they do. I don't think he's going to get appealed. That's all. But I don't think Bill Belichick. He, he is appealing. Oh, he didn't. Okay. I, I no, think he's appealing. I would, but I, the decision hasn't come down. Right. 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 I would I would think they would just say serve it right now. Yeah, against one of the worst. Get it out of the, the way. I don't know. Against the, the Dolphins. Um all right. Hey, guess what? What? From number 1 New York Times best-selling author James Rollins comes the thrilling new novel The Demon Crown. Oh my god. <laughs> You've been waiting for this Mark. You've had a calendar. You've been Xing off the days till the Demon Crown is on. I'll play along. Yes, I have. And I'll now it's to, here to, to save. <laughs> Listen to this, Mark. I know you're you're a, a voracious reader. To save mankind's future, the members of Sigma Force must make, Greg, a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's bargain. Close. Follow along as they join forces with their most hated enemy to stop an ancient threat, often compared to Clive Cussler and yes, Michael Cretan. Some people huh. say Crichton. I say Michael Crouton. You got it right. Best. Like Crouton. Yeah, Michael Crouton's best. This book combines real science, which is good. Science is, you know, if you're going to have science, make like it science. real. Yeah. And history with cutting-edge military action, 
I feel like this <laughs> this book, whatever this book is, is right up the alley of our listeners. So they really nailed it. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds a tad cookie cutter, but proceed. It's um, a great place to join in on the wildly successful Sigma Force series. So get started. Sigma Force. Yeah, man. Get started. Yeah, woman. Get started with videos, audio, and more at jamesrollins.com. Oh, yeah. The Demon Crown. Dan, you're going to read that, right? I already did. I got an advanced copy. Oh. I'm always, How was it? I'm way on As top As advertised? Of, I've read all of the Sigma Force series. Name of the main character, please. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk about some hot butts. But 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 some butts are not hot, and some butts are. Mark's butt is not hot, but Greg's might. I think it is in some ways. It's very uncomfortable. It should be. It's a hot butt. All right, so like I said, it's like those war- you know car yeah. car seat warmers. Yeah. That's very oh, those are nice. Too. My wife always makes fun of me because she calls me a werewolf. I'm, I just run hot in general. Um, not surprising. Um, but what happens a lot, I'll, I'll accidentally hit the switch on the butt warmer in the car, and I won't even notice it. It'll just be like... And my wife will look down and be like, you know, that's been like warming your ass for like an hour and a half. Wait, what? Are werewolves attracted to hot temperatures? Um, I don't kind of get that. Also, you call it a butt warmer? The seat warmer? Whatever. <laughs> like that butt talk. Come um, back to us werewolves. I didn't, wait, I, you didn't know werewolves are warm-blooded, right? I mean, I, that's fine, but Take so, it up so with are my we. Wife. So are we. Same for the pillow right, talk uh, podcast. Whoa. All right. Well, that's your invitation. I didn't create cool. that. Cool. Whoa. What? So let's talk Why about more butts. All right. Let's <laughs> talk about some hot butts. My wife calls me Wolfman. Is that what is a little awkward? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying werewolves are not not known to be attracted to especially hot temperatures versus any other temperatures, no, the as far as I know. The werewolf itself is a hot-blooded creature. As are we. Do you call yourself the werewolf? No. I mean, I'm, I am going to, at this point, I am going to take it up wiki with it, her. Wiki it, okay? I am or going to take it up, up with my right. wife. I'm going to text her after the show and get to the Hit bottom. her up. Anyway. So, all these coaches that we're going to talk about might be feeling a little werewolfy because um, <laughs> as we head towards the home stretch, everyone knows, Greg, everybody knows that the first Monday after the regular season ends is referred to as what? Black Monday. I thought you were going to say casserole. I was thinking casserole. Casserole. Should have brought it back around. Uh, that would have been a really nice callback. callback, as they say in the industry. And, you know, your boy Tony Jeselnik would have been upset that you didn't hit that one. I think he'll be fine with me. Well, he listens to every show, so he'll send you some notes. Does does Tony send you like an email, like every show with like some tags and things? I think it's safe to say he's never listened. (laughs) I was going to say, probably a zero listener on any level. Uh, Any update on RJPP? We're working on it. Ooh. Working on it. Listen to this guy. Got something cooking? Making moves. It looks like it. I support it, by the way. I want it back. It's good. Is it going to be in this studio? Yeah, you were. You were. Now you support a genuinely massive supporter. Okay, did not like it initially, but now I support it. My own podcast I had with with my friend. Yeah, Yeah. RGVP. Yes, that I now I would support it. All right. Back then, no, I didn't, but I was very open about it. You were. That's true. Privately, we talked about it as well. Had one great episode where they played the same song over and over. Was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. <laughs> prank of the year. Um, okay. Anyway, so let's get into it. Go down the list. We have a, a big list of coaches. Let's start with a category we call no brainers, and I guess that means, uh, Colleen, that there's no chance that these two men survive uh, yeah. beyond Black Monday. And on this list, list we have John Fox of Chicago and Chuck Pagano of Indianapolis. Mark, is there any realm where either of these guys make it past that Monday? I think it's disappointing if that were, if there were, no, I'd say no. I, my one question with, with the Bears especially, A, in Indianapolis, you have a GM that's going to want to have the chance to pick his own coach. Right. Uh, with the Bears, does Ryan Pace stick around after John Fox, if John Fox goes? I think that'd be a big question. I don't, I'm not sure that Ryan Pace 
is uh, the most impressive general manager I've ever witnessed over the course of his run thus far. And I think like one of the one of the things that caught my attention at the before the season even started was the drafting of Mitch Trubisky and how it kind of took everybody by surprise including what looks like the coaching staff. It seemed like the front office came in, kind of did their thing, got yep. him. Like, So you would think that they would have a little longer leash to, to hire another coach, but we'll see. Yeah, and this is – it's a tough time of season, you know, when Bears are losing the 49ers, the Colts are just kind of, you know – Going through the motions, Chuck Pagano's now got bits. He actually brought in copies of Groundhog Day no, this he week mm. to give to the reporters who had never uh, listened to it. So, and then he—that's <laughs> pretty he, funny. He then uh, made a reference <laughs> that makes me like him a lot more. Yeah, and so they, there's a good picture of the three of them all holding up uh, the, their Ground Day this- DVDs. It was the 15th anniversary edition or something really strange. It was like the 15th anniversary. What is that's a That's a thing you make a DVD for. But he also did another bit where he used a quote Love from uh, League of Their Own that there's no crying in, in baseball and football and, and use that. So now he he's kind of he's liking the attention. Where are you now, Mark, with this added evidence? Is it more towards you worried about his mental mental health or you think he's more he's just embracing the end of the road here? I still have questions. I mean, I think that you're probably not in a good... These are the kind of guys, like, he already has a beard, but, like, you disappear for, like, five months and you get your health back. Like, he does not f- sound extremely healthy Wait, or on what, point to me. what are you talking about with his beard? No, I'm saying, like, well, it's he's a, got, he's a, got like, a, a, goatee, like, it's a goatee thing, but, like, I could see him vanishing <laughs> and, like, getting, like, a giant beard and, like, getting all his... John is, just, does that, just, has done that at, oh, like, multiple Yeah, we remember of one life. of those like, periods, at least. Anytime he, Gonzo. like stops with a job whether John he like Gonzalez leaves or whatever yeah his beard and his hair he just doesn't cut and they all grow into one giant hair it's a great move as a man if you have that freedom in, at intervals that post philly move pre ringer pre stringing <laughs> era for gonzo was a little pagano on the i mean uh, yeah presser. gonzo i well, i went over to visit him one time and he's the Gonzo is walking around at 11.30 a.m. Uh, after taking a, a nap, a long nap after having woken up at, at 9. And he's having, he, has, he knows that each time of day when he's having his little cup of coffee. And it was a beautiful period of life that I was very envious of. Not even exaggerating. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to bring uh, this Colts thing back around yeah. to the theory that you had. Yes. That you said off the show that maybe John Gruden, you know, you're a little concerned about him. Maybe he's thinking about uh, future. Like, it's almost like he's... I'm not concerned about him, but yeah, I don't think he's like done a great out. job this year. He, <laughs> What, could you imagine him as – I think one job he would come back for, even with the risk of Andrew Luck's injury, and he's, I think he's almost talked about it openly, is mm-hmm. coming back. I can just see, I can just imagine John Gruden, Jim Irsay, oh, Andrew Luck just being a crazy situation. Can totally see that. I just wow. – and what I mean by that, Gruden, it just – and maybe it is that kind of Tony Romo – and we talked about it in the pre-production meeting that there's kind of been like a, if you remember Showgirls, is there a 15th anniversary DVD for Showgirls? Oh, there better also? be. Uh, Christian, do you own that? Anniversary? Who doesn't remember Showgirls? <laughs> yeah, the criteria. I got to start, I got to start prepping for my, my wife and I's 15th anniversary. Cause that's the big, that's wow. the big number. They're a big DVD. Gonna like five years for that. Away, but uh, but uh, Jesse Spano and Showgirls, <laughs> um, she's on the rise in the industry. And then Gina Garshan's character was kind of like the living legend. And then eventually Gershon gets pushed down the steps and her career is ended as Jesse, you know, surges. Um, a pivotal scene in a beautiful yeah. film. Yeah, a, an a, important a, film poetic <clears throat> in the late 20th century. That is kind of what's happened in a way with Tony Romo. Uh, he's Jesse. And uh, I think her name was what? Nomi, was it? Wow. Christian, you remember this? Of course he does. He was on the set. Christian watched it like two weeks ago. <laughs> he was the script supervisor. So, so gross. <laughs> yeah, I was at the theater opening weekend. Thank you very much. Wow. Oh, wow. What are talking about? I saw him in the theater. Anyway, um, so Nomi, uh, she surges to the top. That's Tony Romo. And Gruden, for whatever reason, and I tie some of it, we've talked about this, to Tariko leaving the booth. I feel like Gruden lost his juice a little bit in the last year or two. And now it just seems like he's a little distracted or not quite as invested. Just just a bit of a sessler. Is that fair to say? Well, there's going to be a lot of coaching jobs open, with some with pretty good situations, including the Giants, which I think has a lot yeah. of talent. I feel like Gruden's that always been this way, though. I just, do, do we overrate or do we look, we look at like Cower for years in this rumor mill thing, Gruden too? Like you've been out of the game for 10 years. Or is that the coach you really want? 
He's still young enough, though. I, like, I, know, it's I, like, I'm thinking more of a coward type thing. By the way, met Elizabeth Berkeley at a, a a play area in a mall when Luke and Colton were there, and it was quite a. My, we were quite shocked to be discussing uh, childcare with Elizabeth Berkeley. How did she, she come off? Like everything was. She couldn't have been nicer. Control? Absolutely, and a really nice person. Yes. All right. Good. So there is some good news. Great. Post showgirls nice update. All right. So no brainers. Have you, wait. Have you seen showgirls? I've seen it. Yeah, okay. I've seen it. So you know, don't cast the spurs. I'm just. I'm just saying. Come on, Colleen. <laughs> I've seen it. Opening weekend though for Christian. How about that? Waiting online for showgirls. The best thing that happened at the show was after the uh, the big Gershon kiss with Elizabeth Berkeley. So yes. I just screamed out. I finally got my $7 worth. Oh, no. <laughs> Some guy. Yeah, okay. Some guy. <laughs> All right, so Fox and Pagano, we both agree, will be out. Uh, McAdoo, of course, already out. So we're going to be up to three at least. Let's move on to very hot, very hot butts. So not no-brainers, mm-hmm. but very hot. And uh, on the list here... And uh, Greg, we'll start with you on this one. Dirk Cutter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's been a really disappointing season. They are on the short list of the most disappointing teams in the NFL. You think it cost Cutter his gig? More likely than not because of the history in Tampa. They go through court, uh, coaches faster than just about anyone. You don't really hear from the Glazers. You know, they're, they've got their Premier League teams they're worried about, but they just <laughs> drop, they drop in and they get rid of guys. Do you, do you guys know who the coach who has the longest tenure in Tampa since John Gruden? John Gruden, by the way, who was 9-3 and three this season that he got fired, lost four straight games, and then was out, which is a reminder that what happens the next four games can have a big impact on this discussion. Was it Chiano? It was Raheem Morris who got, oh. two, I think, got two and a half years, or got maybe got three. Years. That was a messy, and that was the too. longest. That was the longest one. How could I forget Youngry? Yeah, that's the longest one. So they get rid of guys quickly, and this has been this has been bad. All right, how about um, Colleen? Yeah, we were just talking about it earlier. Well, Marvin Lewis is a goner. I think so. I mean, I th- I think he's gonna either that or. Do we really think this? He's been he's been surviving for I like know. fifteen years. I know. Well, this is the end of his contract is coming up. His contract's up at the end of the season. This he might. Different. He Didn't might. That... Shh. Be quiet, Greg. Let me just get this out. He might. <laughs> Go, Connie. He might retire. Ooh. That's also a possibility. He might just hang up the old headset. He's accomplished everything. Yeah. So why not? But it may be to avoid being like, quote unquote, fired. Maybe he retires. Yeah. Doesn't he usually mm. get that one year contract extension by now that kind of keeps him around for one more season? He could go to the front office. But last night, that's why there was last night was bad. There was yeah. so much going on in the Cincinnati Inquirer wrote the column. I think that makes a lot of sense is was that the end of an era? And I it did kind of feel like having that script happen again felt like maybe that was the the game that ends it and now i'll channel chris wessling um because i feel like wes might have this take and i hope i'm not wrong chris if you're listening but like why would anything change now i know this yesterday felt different but it's mostly probably because it happened 12 hours ago (laughs) this stuff has been going on in cincinnati uh for over a decade um and they don't like change they fear change so Although I agree it makes sense, I certainly, if I had, if I were a man that, like, you know, walked through the desert toward the light, mm-hmm. if I had to go one way or the other, I'm saying he's coming back. I'm with you really? because I don't know if I put his butt as very hot because I don't think that's ever the case with Marvin Lewis. So mm. I, I think it Colleen's would have point to, on the contract is pretty telling, though, that he hasn't had. The, it is, right. but I think, you, I think your point that it would be his decision. Maybe and they they I find mean, someone to take his place either from within or uh, maybe from somewhere else in Ohio. But like we would never know anyway. I mean, they could just fire him and it would be f- framed as a retirement. All right. What about Mark? Your boy Hugh Jackson, who has a grand total of one win in two seasons so far. Are they going to stay the course? Should they stay the course? Well, people might disagree with what I'd say here, but I think they would struggle. They would really struggle to get. A coach in here. Someone was. There's whispers about Jeff Fisher wanting a job. Like, who's going to want? It? No, I mean, it's just who's out there. That? It's out there. Like Jeff the idea that like Cleveland's going <laughs> right. to get one of the yeah. premier coaches. Um, I, 
I I would stay the course personally because they've 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 had four straight regimes flush everyone out after two seasons. I think they're going to go absolutely get a quarterback with the number one two or pick this this off season. And I would say unless you feel like you can get a coach that uh, can change this organization and be as Greg says one of the two or three guys that really uh, you know is a factor in games, I just don't see that happening. Um, unpopular, but I would stay the course. It, but I don't think that's necessarily what they're going to do. It's tricky. You're, we're assuming that Sashi Brown will be allowed to still make the decisions. That's part of the equation. Who's you know deciding this? Like Hugh Jackson, I think, does a really good job considering all the um, losing of having a good public face and having the right attitude and like dealing with it mm-hmm. because he's had a worse record than any coach in NFL history so far with Cleveland. And he's underachieved. It it isn't pointed out quite enough that Hugh Jackson's done a bad job in terms of winning games. They are better than one in... What is it now? No, they should be. They should be it's four a, and four to four and five right. wins it's a, it's, this season. They've underachieved, so yeah, it's a tough decision. Because I think you're seven, right. Yeah. I think you're right. It makes sense to stay the course, but it makes it. It would make it almost impossible if they don't win a game. It'd be pretty ballsy if they are worst case scenario don't win this year. Bring back a guy that's one in thirty one. If he and doesn't I win, I, the big picture thing yeah. of all that, and then the other conversation, and it is uh, Hugh Jackson was involved with these quarterback decisions that are made the last two years. They cannot get this wrong. If they go three years and win, what, four games in three years or three games in three years and then mess up the next draft and don't have a quarterback, it will be one of the most titanic mess-ups in the history of the NFL. So you have They're to, drafting a quarterback. You have to be confident that you're going to get a guy out of this process and you have the right people in the building and that includes Hugh Jackson who's in the center of it making the right decisions. So it's, it's really... It's a big decision. It's hot. It's very hot. It's very hot. Because... If he goes 0 and 4, I just can't. And can't imagine. How brutal what, is that? I mean, they need imagine to win. having only won one game in your thing, career like, as a head coach there. Oh, you know, it's t- it's it's awful to go through it. I'm sure. But like one last thing with that, he has put on a good public face in terms of not. I don't think the team has given up on him, and I oh. think he is engaging with players. But there are issues between the front office and the coaching staff, and there are some public issues and some stuff that's happened that is crazy. So that's yep. the concern. Can they get along? Can they survive this? All right, let's go. Uh, possible surprises. I. Would to bump this up to very hot, uh, but I'll uh, throw Vance Joseph out there, the Denver Broncos. Um, he is not a popular guy uh, in Denver. I was doing some uh, news searches after Sunday's game, and there was a call to get this guy out of the building in a McAdoo sense. Um, so it, there is not a lot of belief around From what, team. fans? Fans, okay. columnists, all that stuff. Now, that doesn't mean that, that's, that should be the reason for firing, but the team is really underperformed. Uh, but then on the other side, Greg, what what can Vance Joseph do when they have such a giant hole at the game's most important position right now? And it's Elway's guy. That's why I I would not put him in very hot because at that point, Elway it sounds like had a big part in firing Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator, which by the way has not worked out at all. They've gotten worse without him, and mm. so that should be pointed out. I just can't believe Elway would start over and blow it up. Again, one year, it was unfortunate what happened with Gary Kubiak. That was no one's fault. But it just feels like that would be pointing the finger at himself. I think he would give him a second. I think, I'm yeah, I think you got to give him a little bit more time. It's too. pretty rare that guys only have one and done. Chudzinski was one recently, but it doesn't happen too often, Danny boy. I know it doesn't happen too often, but they've had – the Denver Broncos were supposed to be an AFC contender, and they might end up going like 3-13 and 13 or 4-12. and 12, like, Yeah. That's the type of stuff that can get a guy yeah. one and done canned. All right, how about uh, Connie Fox? Jim Caldwell, who's had an um, interesting little career. I think a lot of people are surprised he got the job based on how poorly things ended in Indianapolis. And then he had an 11-5 and season his first year, made the playoffs last year, one and done, no playoff wins, and right now they are at 6-6. Six and six, But are they even necessarily underperforming? I mean, I, I think he always kind of flies under the radar because the Lions always sort of are like middling like this. And especially this year where I, I, at certain points I would be like really high on the Lions. And I'm like, no, they're coming around, they're coming back. And then like the very next week, the next game would just be another letdown. Like if I was looking for a surprise candidate, it wouldn't be – Jim Caldwell, you know who it would be? Who? It would be maybe Andy Reid. Whoa. Interesting. Hey, out of left field. We didn't talk about this one. They have a new 
Oh, I like his talk. Let's hear it. But after after the start that they had to the season, and now that they are just crumbling apart, and everybody is just crushing the play calling, and the fact that I don't know if he's just trying to simplify things so Alex Smith can kind of get back on track, and then maybe defenses will stop stacking the box because they can't do anything again. Like they can't run the ball whatsoever. Anything like. Maybe the fact that the play calling is what it is right now is because he's just trying to dumb it down as much as possible, but he's getting a ton of heat for not adjusting or anything in these games. There, there's some similarities there, and I think Caldwell is a long shot, be, is a little bit of a long shot because he got an extension, we found out during this season. And that's why I think Andy Reid's even a bigger long shot because when they fired John Dorsey, mm-hmm. they gave Andy Reid an extension. And the GM that they brought in has a close relationship with Andy Reid. And he he's a unique guy in terms of he kind of is the Chiefs. And so I would be more surprised that he got fired than Caldwell, who has a GM who really didn't have a, a history with him, who came from the Patriots organization. And that's why I kind of put him on this list as a possible surprise, just because... I don't know. I don't know if Bob, Bob Quinn, usually a new GM, wants his own guy, whereas like Andy Reid is the guy. So that would take the Hunt family to really kind of decide that we got to totally blow it up. Yeah, and, real- and by the way, I should say, like, I, I know that Andy Reid did give the play calling to Matt Nagy th- yeah. this past weekend, but there's a ton of heat on him. Yeah, oh, regardless. yeah. No, I think the, and, and it, it's deserved this year. I mean, I think Martha Ford, the Lions owner, likes Caldwell a lot. And got an extension. I don't think. I think if Reed were fired, he'd have another job in five hours. I just. I don't know. So you can oh, get someone better than Andy. Reed? I think it would would have would be a huge mistake to let Andy Reed go. Yeah. And Todd Bowles, who's on this list, I think Todd Bowles is very close to out of the woods at this point. Oh, I would not um, fire Todd Bowles. I I only put that if. Like a long shot, like if he had an 0-4 stretch, and, and it was partly of the Woody Johnson factor of just Woody maybe surprising you. That's all. Yeah, no, I think it's possible. I also wouldn't rule it out, though. I think they're 5-7. and seven. They've, they've overperformed, I think, obviously. Uh, but if they crater here and they finish 5-11, and 11, I, I'm with you. I mean, I would, it, it's gotten to the point now where they would really have to crater. And, a credit, and again, they've shown no signs of doing yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Todd Bowles. You don't fire was, Todd Bowles. People thought they were going to go 0-16. Of credit. That said, that roster, if Andy yeah. Reid came available, and I was <laughs> It's got to be one of those yeah. things where he's on the phone with like the, the new version of Bill Parcells like the night before week 17 I, or something. But me, Those two used to work together, too. Just saying. Me and Keith used to – me and Keith will have conversations. Neither of us are huge – Bulls fans, we kind of like guys that are a little more animated and plugged in. Not so much the in baseball, the Joe Torre model, where you're just stoic and staring straight ahead. But there's no doubt that he communicates and gets through to the players. I mean, it, 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 because the way they played this year, um, real quick, you have to go. Kind I of have much. to go. We got to talk about Man. this construction meeting. This at other one, show that you're involved point, in is very suspect. I, I will make good. it through a show. One point this year. <laughs> um, Jack Del Rio, Mark. Uh, uh, real quick on Del Rio, and then one more name. Uh, yes or no? Is he going? Uh, no. Uh, I think though there's been some there's been a little heat around this, but they've been so disappointing. I think the ne- you talk about the next four weeks. The next four weeks have a lot to do with Jack Del Rio. Right now, I'd say no. He's a long he's a long shot. His coaching staff certainly is not working out. He had to change his defensive coordinator. His change to offensive, you know, he swept offensive coordinators in the offseason. That hasn't worked out very well. So there's a little bit of heat if it really went south. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he should be. Uh, Bruce Arians. That's more – I put that in there for retirement reasons. It, yeah. It, people have forgotten sort of the retirement buzz around him because he pushed back publicly. But I think you kind of have to push back publicly on that. And I just think with his health problems, and we'll see what happens with Carson Palmer, that it's it's at least possible that he decides to walk away. That's all. I don't think he, he would ever be fired by the Cardinals. All right, there you go. Hot butt talk. Um, now let's hop on those shoulders of greatness – for the Thursday night football Ooh. Oh, the shoulders of greatness. Put it on your shoulders. Standing on the shoulders of giants, these New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. What a big game this is. Um, the Saints uh, can, you know, come close to wrapping up the NFC South yep. with a W. And the Falcons, it's amazing how quickly um, things have changed, Greg. The Falcons on Sunday morning... Uh, we're playing well, thriving in the playoff uh, position, and then they get beat, and it wasn't, you know, some type of disgrace to get beat um, against the Vikings. The Vikings, yes, no disgrace there. Uh, but then 
the Seahawks go and beat the Eagles, and all of a sudden the Falcons are on the outside looking in with a game against the Saints, who are one of the best teams in football this season. And it's one of the best rivalries in the NFL. The fan bases hate each other. The teams always seem to come up against each other at key points in the season when they can knock one of the other out. And this game is massive because if the Falcons win – they can start thinking not just about the wild card, but that they're in the mix for the division. As good as New Orleans has played this year, as well as they've played, they have to play Atlanta again in two weeks, and Atlanta has to think, hey, if we sweep them, we can catch up to them. And that's why it's such a massive game. The Saints are a much more complete team, and in their big games, I think we saw, for instance, you know, last week at home, they came out and they played their best, whereas Atlanta scores nine points. They're an offensive team scoring nine points at home. And wow, it would be sweet, I think, for Sean Payton after the last few years to go in there and drop a bomb on this defense that I just don't have much Well, faith. all I'd say is nine points against, and I get the Jaguars, a Super Bowl-level Vikings defense that has done that in Minnesota, on the road, in London, to everyone else. Exactly, but that's, that's kind of what I mean. Like, they're... That shows it's not their year in some ways. When they go up against the best, they scored nine. Points. I agree with you. I feel like they. This is this the, inside the building. They have to know this is your final. You lose this thing, and you got Carolina going to Minnesota too. But the, the, things start to get far away from you if you're the Falcons. You don't pull this off. They're going to put their best effort forward this time. I think you're going to get the best version of the Falcons. And I've disagreed in this room with the, the notion that Matt Ryan and the Falcons have been. You know, the same on offense, Ryan specifically. I think there is something lacking with Ryan, even though they, you know, they played really well before the Vikings game for a few weeks there. They, they haven't been the same team. They haven't been able to, to lift in big moments. Here is the test. If you really yeah. think Matt Ryan is the same Matt Ryan as last year, if the Falcons are a team to be reckoned with and, and are going to be playing meaningful January football, win this game. Win, and, win yeah. the game at home against the Saints to uh, stay in the playoff picture because if you lose, you kind of were the team that you, everyone kind of thought they were all yeah. season where they were just never were able to put it together. Win I, the game. I'm more concerned about Atlanta's defense stopping what is this incredibly dynamic backfield and, It'll by the tough. way, a passing game that can do it to you too. Right. They, they, the defense had a better game last week against Minnesota, but Kamara and Ingram are on pace to be the first guys to ever go over 1,500 yards. Kamara is at a level right now where he's averaging more yards per touch with anyone uh, than anyone in NFL history who's had as many touches as he has, 145 yards. And he just has such great speed in going up against another speedy defense with Deion Jones and and, and the Atlanta Falcons. It is such a great matchup. I'm going to be watching the Saints defense because they should get Marshawn Lattimore back, or at least they sound somewhat hopeful of it. And him matched up against Julio Jones is about as good as it gets. And Cameron Jordan, who's just been a monster this season, I think can be in the mix of Defensive Player of the Year, especially with a big national uh, game. The Saints really haven't been in a lot of big-time you know, national audience games. If, if he comes out and has a big-time game, like I think he is absolutely in that mix. Wow. All right, so there you go. That's Thursday Night Football. Um, preview the shoulders of greatness. Um, one little uh, note circling back to some butt talk. I listened to the summertime hot butt preview. And uh, Mark, you, really? you had tagged. Yeah, I'm a pro, bro. Pro, bro. Got time on your hands. <laughs> no, you just work it into the sked. Okay. You build it into your morning sked. That's what I did. Well, unveil your findings. Mark Sessler, Jim Caldwell, and John Fox, you nominated. Eh, I mean, I don't think that I, that both could happen. I don't think that was a shocking. I didn't go out on a massive limb there with either name. No, and we, at the time, we commented, listen, you got on base there. You get, you got the segment going. Yeah. It was They were safe picks, but good ones because they Oh, where is this day. going? Someone else was, had a much more daring idea? Chris Wessling. He went with um, a player and a coordinator, Blake Bortles. Remains on the hot seat. And Steve Sarkeesian, who, hmm. yeah, well, Thursday night could be a big uh, referendum on old Stevie. One of those feels pretty secure. Um, I went with Bill O'Brien, and I think eh. safe. Bill's probably safe. Totally safe. Unless ownership. Uh, it's weird because the, the record is bad, but the his performance, they've played pretty well considering. He was coach of the year candidate when Deshaun Watson was. Right. Had that gone on for nine more weeks, he'd be Super Bowl bound potentially. And this is one of those... Uh, I'm, I'm going to look like a dummy right now, but at the time there was some logic to it. Sean Payton, 
on the at hot the time seat, there was. entering the season. Now he's probably going to be there until the end of time. At the time there was. Sneaky. There's so many good Coach of the Year candidates that Sean Payton doesn't even get mentioned, but they've had about as good a turnaround yeah, as anyone. He maybe you know, there's three Shawns that could get that could get the award. So. <laughs> there is there is a um are you still got Sean McDermott? I, I, I think McDermott's Take out it of out, I'm, I'm putting I'm putting uh Peyton securely in second place there in the Sean Derby uh with McDermott a solid third. But it does show you how much first of all that no one really thought the Saints season was gonna play out like this and also that they were three and uh, seven and nine three straight years and were just kind of going nowhere fast with their I did have them as my division champion. Look at you! Congratulations. If only I put sandwiches. Haven't you done that? Haven't you done that with the Saints multiple times every year? Not at no, not with the Saints. The Eagles every year. I mix it up in the South. And finally, Greg, you had Jay Gruden and Chaz Pagano. Well, I took one safe one there, and Jay Gruden. You know what? He could. I don't think he would have been crazy to put on that long shot list. Right. I think he's a really good coach, and he's done a good job. It's just that organization. Throws surprises at you sometimes, so he wouldn't be the cr- the craziest stunner at the end of the year. Yeah, so he did get an extension. That's why I didn't write him down. Was I forgot he got so did Peyton the year before. He got an yeah. extension last uh, off season. Jeff Fisher got an extension once upon a time. That didn't help out. <laughs> right. It was actually announced. Someone pointed out. A year ago this month, it leaked out. Oh, because they had a big win. Didn't they have like some that sort it of... It leaked out that Fisher had gotten an extension, and <laughs> Fisher said, I don't know how that leaked out. Yeah. Sometimes in quiet, quieter moments, I still think about Jeff Fisher holding the dog <laughs> right. next to how the woman that not? he picked up at the supermarket. How can you not? To be his friend, waving at the buses as, the, as his former Rams team, the day after he was fired, was shipped off to slaughter against the Seahawks. It was a great horror movie <laughs> moment of the year. How about how quickly the NFL changes? The Rams were a laughing stock, uh, not even competitive at that point, and now they're heading towards 12-4. and four. That's football. Last last note before we go. Oh, yeah, a little ATN cat update. Our GoFundMe uh, to raise money for uh, local animal shelters here in Culver City. We've wrapped up the donation process. Where did we finish up there, Lindsay Fulton? $1,375. Whoa. That is amazing. One thing, by the way, we did not intentionally, we did not plaster social media with this in a desperate attempt to get everyone possible to contribute. We had, I, we had one tweet during Thursday Night Football last week where we were at about $500. The next morning, we had cro- by the end of the game, we had crossed $1,000. And by the next morning, we were well beyond it. So we do have the greatest listeners. This is not the first GoFundMe uh, venture that they've been involved in in a helpful no. way. So thank you very it's, much. It's really... Um, I am continually amazed by how much um, loyalty the listeners have for the show and, and, and when it comes to a good cause. In this case, the cause is Karma Rescue, which is a nonprofit dedicated to saving animals in need by finding them permanent homes and providing the re- resources for successful companionship, uh, karmarescue.org, if you want to learn more. Mark, update on your cat situation. You are deathly allergic, and yet you are becoming a, a – there's a cat lady. You're a cat boy. Uh, yeah, not. Uh, I, I would say I'm not involved in the process at this point. The my wife and our wonderful neighbor have done a lot of work. There are at this point four, cat boy. four cats uh, roaming around our yard, and we're going to. Uh, there's a process here to get them to a shelter at some point. But it, uh, yeah, there's cat food in our yard, which I can't tell the smell of cat food or the or the sight of it. How about the uh, poop? Is there like poop everywhere? I have not investigated that. They are very cute, though. Uh, you don't have sandboxes, do you? We do, yeah. Oh, you gotta keep those closed. No, nah, we got issues. Little does Dan know that Catboy is actually a popular figure in uh, one of my daughter's favorite shows, P- Bro. PJ Masks. Jack's way into PJ Masks. Oh yeah. Is it like a boy who is a cat? He is. is cat no, he's like a young child, and him and his two chums <laughs> um, at night after it's bedtime, they put on costumes. It's Catboy, it's Gecko, and another Owlet. Owlet, and they. <laughs> Clean up the streets. A boy is named Owlette. That feels like a, no, that's a, a female. Girl. Listen, there okay. could be there could be girls that are superheroes. Mark, I thought you said it was a boy named Owlette. Don't continue. <laughs> you're, oh, I'm, you know, it's the eighth time in the show where Dan's trying to put me into an uncomfortable corner that would get me in trouble with the employer. Good, good PJ Mask talk. <laughs> good PJ Mask talk. Uh, all right, that's it for uh, today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday recapping that TNF game. And then uh, break down all the week 14 games. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. 
Connie Fox, the old boss, Christian Anderson, and Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.